You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So uh, my name's Tommy. I'm the pastor here. If I hadn't met you, I'd love to do that at some point. But we're on our, our, our series here. What a beautiful name. And we're just sort of going through the names of Jesus. And man, I hope you're enjoying this. I am. Remember, there's a, there's a goal here. And the goal is that when we get to Friday, we experience pain. And then when we get to Sunday, we experience true joy. But we can't experience either one of those if we don't really know who Jesus is. And so we're kind of going through some names, and some are proper nouns, and some are adjectives. And, and we start off by saying that Jesus is the mediator. He mediates reconciliation between God and man. Uh, because of our sin, there was a, a distance between us and God. And Jesus mediated that distance with his death on the cross. But he's not just the mediator. He's also the judge. Jesus is also the righteous judge who we will stand before one day. And so Jesus isn't just mediating, he's judging. And he's not just mediating, and he's not just judging. He's also the one who actually paid the price. He took our pain so we wouldn't have to. So he was charged as guilty. He was convicted. He was mediating. He was judging. He was doing everything, even though he was completely innocent, perfect, spotless God. And all those things should make us love Jesus even more as we realize who he truly is. And the hope is that we experience some sense of urgency because we know who he is. It begins to change our identity. We begin to see ourselves as ambassadors of Christ. And and with that, we have a desire to actually tell people about Jesus. And so guys, this week, you have a super easy way to tell people about, you don't even have to tell them about Jesus. Invite them here and I'll tell them. And then the next week you can tell them. But you have, this week is such an easy opportunity to just say, hey, listen, would you like to come to our church at Easter or any church in this game. Invite them to any church in this game. We don't care which church they go to. There's a million beautiful churches in this place. Invite them somewhere. So I hope that you're beginning to feel a sense of urgency with the message that God has given us. And so this week we're taking another step, another name of Jesus. And this one is really cool to me because it's a name that Jesus gave himself. And so John 8, 12, it says this. When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. All four Gospels are cool if you ever want to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they all four kind of tell a slightly different story because they have a different focus. John loves this part. John loves the light of the world. And that Jesus called himself the light of the world. And he did it frequently. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus is the light of the world, this light. And so I I was writing this, and I started thinking, what, what are some benefits of light? Just throw out one thing light does. Audience participation time. Go ahead. You can see. What else? Shines, illuminates, right? Well, if, if someone is enlightened, that means they have a higher level of knowledge, right? Uh, may, maybe y'all have heard the term light up the room. Um, you know, when someone lights up the room, it means they come in the room and it make it better. Do y'all know anyone who lights up rooms? Does anyone in this room know anyone who just lights up a room? Does anyone know anyone who does anything like that? <laughs> Don't you love when someone begs for a compliment? (laughs) I'm kidding. But seriously, I'm not. Um, The light of the world. 
And so, so the, you got light up a room, you have enlightened as in a higher level of knowledge, you have uh, illuminates, you have shines, you have chases out the darkness. And the Bible said that Jesus was the fullness of all of these concepts. It doesn't say he is a light in the world. It says he is the light of the world. And so he is the light. And so whatever you know about light, I mean, if you, if you spend too much time in darkness, you kind of get depressed, you know, rainy days make us dreary. Everything you think about light, how good it is, how it brings life, how it, Jesus is the complete fullness of all of our thoughts times a million. He is the light of the world. And so what is it the light of the world does in our lives? What are some practical things the light of the world does for us? And the first thing is this. The light of the world, Jesus, illuminates sin. Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are, now you are light in the land, in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. One of the first things Jesus does is illuminate sin. Any of you guys experience this? When you first begin to follow Christ, you begin to become more aware of sin. And like the closer you move to Jesus, the more aware of your sin you become. If you're moving closer to Jesus and you're just becoming more aware of everyone else's sin and less aware of yours, you're actually moving backwards. When you're moving forwards towards Jesus, you're just becoming more aware of your sin. You begin to understand, well, there's, there's things wrong with me. And in one of the most gracious things Jesus does, he doesn't expose all your sin at once. Like on day one, when I met Jesus, he didn't say, here's everything wrong with you. Because I would have been like, oh, I mean, it would have been overwhelming, you know? It's like he exposes something and you deal with it. As a matter of fact, I, I've been, I guess I've been following Jesus for, I don't know, like 15 real years now, maybe, maybe 16. And I'm dealing with sin today that I didn't even think was sin 17 years ago. Any of y'all been there? Name some of them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't have to do that. <laughs> Let's all stand up and name one thing. <laughs> Yikes. You'd all remember this day, though. Like, you, you begin, it changes, doesn't it? When you first meet Jesus, like you're, it's like you're in just triage mode. Like, what are the big sins that are killing me here, God? And Jesus illuminates those. And, and then you take a step, and he illuminates the next one and step. And it's like, it just begins to change. And the second thing he does, he doesn't just illuminate sin. He doesn't just show you what your sin is. He shows you how to deal with it. Next verse says, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way so that you can endure it. I love that. He illuminates the sin, and then he shows you how to deal with it. Of course, I mean, this isn't possible if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. This is only possible for those who have the Holy Spirit, who have given their lives to Christ. But if you've given your life to Christ, and you have the Holy Spirit, you become aware of sin, and then you become aware of what to do with it. He actually shows you how to live a different life. Sometimes we try to justify things and say, well, well that's, I think it's okay for me. And then you go to the Bible where he uses the Bible to, to, to teach, and you say, okay, no, I can't. It's, it's, it's not right. The Bible's really clear on things. And like I thought about, there's probably a million different ways 
that Jesus is the light of the world. But today, I just want to talk about this one, sin. Because I think if we don't get this, if we don't understand the magnitude of this situation and what he came to do, then nothing else really matters. As a matter of fact, it says in Matthew 1, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. What did Jesus come to save us from? Sins. And so this is what the light of the world is doing. This is what the mediator is mediating. This is what the judge is judging. It's all about sin. And if we don't get this, nothing else will really work. It's like, you want to be a better spouse? Deal with sin. You want to be a better friend? Deal with sin. You want to be a better church person? Deal with sin. You want to be a better worker? Deal with sin. Whatever it is you want to take that next step with, I'm willing to bet the first thing you need to deal with is sin. It's selfishness. It's, it's elevating our priorities over the priorities of God. It's, it's making it's all these different things. you got to deal with those things first, or nothing else really matters. The light exposes sin and shows you how to deal with it. But sometimes it's easier to live in darkness, isn't it? And sometimes it's easier just to say, yeah, yeah, it's just a movie. You know, it's, it's just a song, God. It's just, it's just Friday night. I've worked hard, right? I know none of y'all have ever done that. Everyone's looking real nervous now. What's his next one he's going to name? Is it actually going to apply to me? <laughs> it's just my taxes. Just fudge a little, right? It's just whatever. And when we make these excuses to continue on with sinning, and then occasionally we act like we don't really know what the answer is. You know, like, oh, God, I, I don't really know what to do in this situation. You know, I, I just, God, I, I'm just so, I'm so torn because I want to steal that pizza, but I don't know if I should steal the pizza or not. God's like, no, you, you shouldn't steal the, the pizza. You definitely shouldn't steal the pizza. And we want to like, oh, I just, I just, I want to figure out what God wants me to do in this area of my life. So I'm going to pray over it. And, you know, we're going to talk about it in small group. And God's like, I've been so clear about what I want you to do. You are stalling. Anybody? Because the darkness, it's kind of easy and it's kind of nice. But the light wouldn't have needed to be so wonderful if the darkness hadn't been so tempting. And we hide, but this is my favorite thing. We hide behind, I'm just a sinner. I'll never be perfect, so I'm going to do it. We hide behind our imperfection instead of being empowered by his perfection. We hide behind these things. I couldn't, I could never, I'm blah, blah, blah. And God's like, no, no, you can because I died on a cross to perfect you so that you might live as holiness in the world. And I, like I get to this point in the message and I'm, I'm reading and I'm thinking and I'm writing this stuff and I'm like, God, what difference does it make? It's just a little sin. Like, what difference does it make if I watch that? Or what difference does it make if I think that? Like, why do you really care so much about me and my sin? And then God spoke a word to me as I was writing this this week that I promise you he speaks to me about 47 times a day. And you know what the word was? It's not about you, Tommy. I'm always so offended when he says that. Is it kind of? No. Okay. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. You are the light of the world. Oh, remember he was the light of the world? He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And somehow the light of the world enters us and penetrates us and does such beautiful things through us that we actually become the light in the world, and that when people see our light, they glorify his light. He wants to work in us and take us to a place where he's actually showing himself to the world through us. And if we don't take sin seriously, why should they take sin seriously? Because I'm on Twitter. Um, I, don't, I would tell you my handle, which would increase my followers probably double because right now I have four. But like my mom, me, Kenley, uh, and Linda Page. <laughs> Uh, those are my followers. But like, it, I, see, I see two basic Christian lines of thinking on, on Twitter when it comes to dealing with sin. One is to blame the world for its sin. You have one massive group of Christians that all they do is complain about all the sin in the world, mainly sins that they haven't gotten caught committing yet. All right? And then you have another group of Christians that seems to approach the world with great humility, and they're loving, and they're winsome, and they seem to be aware of their own sin. Which one of those models do you think is more effective for changing the world? The one that understands their sin. The one that takes their sin seriously. Jesus did not have a half-hearted approach to sin, and neither should we. He gave his life to defeat it. And perhaps we should... Consider doing the same. To be a full reflection of Christ's glory, we must fully attack the sin in our lives. And I know even as I'm saying this right now, our mindset is, well, I can't be perfect. I don't think we can hide behind that excuse anymore. Because the perfect one gave his life to empower us with a perfection that could change the world. And it's not, even, it's, not even just about, it's not even just about letting other people see our light. It's not even just about that there's another one. And I've, I've read this verse probably, I don't know, 50 weddings maybe. And I've never ever thought of this verse as really a Jesus verse. But I read it again this week, and I saw who the true hero of this passage is. Because the second reason it matters is because Christ is the judge, and he's preparing us for himself. Listen, it's Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives. Now it shifts. Now who are we talking about? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for us. Guys, who, who's the church? We are, right? We are the church. You are the church. It says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. So what is this saying? This is saying that Christ is working in us to prepare us for himself. That Christ is actually illuminating the sin in our lives, that he's showing us the way to deal with it because he is preparing to present us to himself as holy and blameless without blemish. And I don't know about your life, but I know to get me to that place is going to take a little work. To get me to a place where I can stand holy and blameless in front of God, God's going to have to do a pretty incredible work. And that's what he's doing. 
So every time you, you think of a, of a sin, every time you're like, man, I don't know if church should really be a priority. I, I don't know if I should really prioritize God. I mean, it, it's my money. It's my time. It's my stuff. Or I want to hold on to this addiction or whatever. When God is working to free you of those things, he's doing it to prepare you for him. He's washing you. Guys, you, you know in the Bible who washed people? Do you know whose role it was to wash people? Slaves. Servants. And in this passage, the king is washing you to prepare you to meet the king. It's one of the more beautiful things I've ever thought about. And I think sometimes we think when we become aware of sin in our lives, we're like, oh, man, I've got this sin. I must not be doing right. You know, I must not. Maybe I, maybe I didn't pray the right prayer the day I decided to give my life to Christ or something. Or we believe maybe God isn't with us because we have a sin. The fact that you are aware of sin is evidence that Christ is in you. When you become aware of it, now if you just become aware of it and don't care, you got a whole different problem. But if you're aware of it and it's bothering you, that doesn't mean that Christ has left you. That means that he is working through you to perfect you for himself. And so, guys, it matters. And everything we do in this world is preparation for the day we will meet the king. And so are, are we taking these things seriously? The light of the world is illuminating the sin. He's showing you how to deal with it so that you might light up the world just as he did and so that when he presents you to himself, you might be presented holy and blameless. I want to say this before I wrap up today. If you're in this room today and you feel uh, like a weight of impossibility that you could ever stand holy and blameless in front of God, I pray that during this last song, you use your time wisely. You can sit at your seat. There's no, I mean, just because the room stands, you don't have to. You can, you can kneel. People say, I wish we had bigger altar rails. Wherever you are is the altar. Wherever you are in this room, that becomes the altar. It's where you worship God. And so you can bow. Maybe you've never actually experienced Christ's amazing grace. Maybe today's the day you give him your life. Maybe today's the day you decide that you would like to be made clean. Maybe you've been in church for a long time, so long you've forgotten that your sin still stinks. Maybe today's the day you go back to Christ. Turn back. Guys, next weekend is Easter, and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of the king. And today the king wants to prepare you to meet him. I say whatever it takes. Whatever it takes so that the light of the world might use me to light the world. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.